0: So the, Lord, the Lord's prayer, the prayer God taught us is corporate prayer. It's corporate prayer. Right? And what we're learning is is the power in there. That. Right? that matters for what we're talking about today. So while we were praying about four or five weeks ago, um, at one point I said, is, is anybody getting something? And the youth pastor said, you know what? I don't know why, but this, this passage is really on my heart. Um, and it's First uh, Kings 19, verse 9 through uh, 18. So I'll read this passage, and then I'll, I'll give you the back story and the front story. So you know the context. So this is talking about Elijah. There he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets. With the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. And he said, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind, tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, Go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king of Syria. And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shephath of abel Mahola, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Amen. All right, so let's, let's get into this. A few things just on this passage. Number one, Two times, do you notice that? Two times, God speaks to Elijah. Two times. And he pretty much, both times, says the same thing. What are you doing here? All right? So let's, let's just think about that for a minute. All right? And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So what we see right away is that God repeats himself. Okay? So we want to pay attention to that. Anytime you come into the, a, a scripture and you see that God repeats himself, you want to pay attention to that. Why is it God saying the same thing? Why is the same thing happening twice in a row? Another thing you want to do is sometimes there's a chiasm. All right. Remember what the chiasm is. The chiasm is where, where you kind of move towards the middle. So you have verse over here, verse twelve looks just like verse over here, verse six, and then verse seven looks a lot like verse eleven. And verse ten looks like nine. Now pay attention to what's in the middle. All right. That's that's what you get from that. So I'm just going to throw that out there because I I just noticed that right now, so I don't have an answer for you. But when you go home, look at that because you actually have a chiasm here. You have bookends of the exact same phrase in this verse. That tells you something in the middle is probably the most important. And actually, if someone will take a look at that and let me know. Somewhere in the middle of this, if you figure out what is in the middle of that, let me know and we'll look at that. All right. So why do you think God is bringing this up twice? And what is the difference between the first time and the second time when God asks the same question? What is the difference? All right? He asked the same question. What is the difference between the first time he asked the question and the second time he asked the question? I'm looking for what literally in the text is different from the first time and the second time. What is literally different? You should have your Bible open if you're going to answer that. So first of all, I want to give you just some... Biblical IQ. When you see the word of the Lord came to Elijah, all right? The word of the Lord can mean he got a revelation. But a lot of times when you read the word of the Lord came, it means like the angel of the Lord came. All right? The word of the Lord is, is a person. A lot of times in scripture, that's why like, they knew when the word of the Lord came, this was the word of the Lord. It wasn't, I got this thought. It was a person stood in front of me and spoke to me. All right? It's like Mary didn't hear a voice. She saw an angel. Right? So the word of the Lord can actually be the God incarnate personified in when it says word of the Lord. In the scripture, all right, and you kind of have to look at the context to understand which one it is. So, when you hear about that prophet, the one remember the the guy who prophet lied, right, and came to him and said, No, God said you could eat dinner with me, right? And then it says, And then while they were eating, the word of the Lord came to the prophet that lied and said, You're a dead man, right? (laughs) right, right? It's like, I lied to you, but now that the real word of the Lord is here, we have to pay attention to it. So whenever you read that in scripture, there is the reality that that has a validity to it that's not like just in somebody's head. I would want to double check what scholars believe this word of the Lord would be. But just know that that is a possibility that the first time the word of the Lord shows up to him, it is more tangible in terms of how he sees it, alright? The second time, it is less tangible. So it says, God is not in the wind, so he's not in the wind, he's not in the fire, and he's not in the earthquake, and then, this is the sense I get. So Elijah's like, standing here, all of a sudden it's wind and you know, it's Hollywood rocks are falling, all this kind of stuff, the wind rocks everything Mm -hmm. and then there's fire and then there's an earthquake the whole thing shakes Mm -hmm. alright, and then after that you hear a like from another room it's like when we meet up here as elders, if we hear a little bit of the door rumble, we're waiting to hear does someone come up the stairs. You ever notice that? How you can get used to a noise and fall asleep with a noise, but a noise that doesn't belong, it wake you up. Oh yeah. yeah I'll right? Right, right Whatever you are sensitive to, you listen to. How many people walk down the street and felt your pocket vibrate? And we're like, because you have been taught that when your phone vibrates, something's important, right? You become sensitive to what you're sensitive to, to what's important. And you filter, what is it? Actually, schizophrenia, the disease schizophrenia is your brain not able to filter. Exactly. So what is happening is there is a up-in-your-face encounter with God, and now there's a whisper. It's very much like the burning bush because the burning bush, the sense of that is you're, you're out being a shepherd, you know, and you look over and there's a bush on fire. It's not even burning. Oh my gosh, there's a bush over there on fire. That actually was kind of normal. In a desert, every once in a while, a bush would catch on fire. Two hours later, when it's still on fire. Oh, right. That's a weird bush, right? So here you got Moses out in the middle of the desert with nothing to do but watch sheep all day long. And he sees a bush that isn't going out. He becomes sensitive to it. And he walks towards it. And it becomes an encounter with God. So here's, here's what's interesting. Maybe the first encounter is in your face. Bam. That's those moments in your life where God just hit you over the head with a two by four. Boom. Right? You met God in a way like that interrupted your life. That's Paul on the road to Damascus. Yep. Bam, you're blind. Yep. right? You're going to pay attention to me now. Yep. You haven't been paying attention to me. You are going to pay attention to me now. Sometimes God has to grab us. In 93, 94, we used to go out on the the street corner out here. The presence of God was so powerful, we would pray for drug dealers that would fall on the ground. Didn't know Jesus. We're going to pray you get the Holy Spirit. Bam! Right? Oh, my gosh, this thing's real. It was God getting in people's face saying, Right? We need that sometimes. We need that God grabs you, shakes you, says, look at me. Because otherwise we think he's Santa Claus. We think he's the tooth fairy. He's just a story those old folks tell. Mm. You need that sometimes. Encounter with God that shakes you. That's right. Alright? But that's step one. one. That's what this scripture is teaching us. (laughs) Where do the grown-ups live? The grown-ups in church live. I hear a whisper. And I don't know what it is. I can't hear it clearly, but I know God wants to say something. So I'm going to walk over here and I'm going to investigate what is God saying. It's a sensitivity you are sensitive to what is most important to you. My dad used to say, when you would cry a certain way, your mom will wake up and bang. There's a other type of crying. There's a type of crying when, when Raya was a baby. I can sleep through that crying, All right, all right? There was another type of crying that will wake you up, and you run to it. You are sensitive to what you most care about. So what is happening up on the top of this mountain? God is doing the, I grab you, light. Look what I can do. Wind, I can do that. Fire, I can do that. Earthquake, I can do that. I can shake your world. I can rattle your world. I can destroy as much as I want. Whisper, whisper. whisper. It's the contrast. God is saying, Look at the contrast. And then he follows that whisper because he can't even hear what it's saying. And then he gets outside, and God says again, he hears a voice. Why are you here? Who's heard that still small voice in your life? right? And I love what this lady, a man at a homeless shelter told me, she said, Jesus, sometimes he speaks to you so sweet, it's so assuring it just makes you feel like everything's going to be alright and sometimes he's very business like alright sometimes all you need to hear from God is it's going to be alright sometimes that's all you need to hear it change everything I don't know how i are going to pay rent People are mad at me, God. I don't know if I'm going to have these friends anymore. My wife is mad at me. I, I don't know if she'll ever trust me again. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. right? I'm in trouble. Right? i got to just say, it's going to be alright. And there's just something about God when he says it's going to be alright, changes your attitude. Suddenly you don't yeah. come into the meeting like this. Yeah. Right? You come into the meeting like, And we've been doing life long enough. You've seen both sides of me, right? Like you've seen both sides of me like that. The, hi, how are you? And the, you know, like scared. All my ideas are about to get destroyed right now. That's what's going to happen to me right now, right? This is what is happening. And what what is the lesson here? The lesson for me here is the still, small voice what God is after. See, a grown-up doesn't need to be shaken. When my boys are younger, I gotta maybe yell at them, raise my voice, I gotta spank them to let them know I'm for real, I'm serious. First of all, when they get older, you can't do that anymore. Second of all, when they're older, we should be at a place in our relationship where if I say, hey, son, I don't think that's a good idea, they trust me enough to stop and think about it. All right? Now, that's if I'm a, I'm a dad. I, I could fail. God is not going to ever fail you. The difference is the trust. Right? That's the difference. I want us now to think about the power of that still, small voice. Because here's the story. The story is that God's voice came to Elijah and said, go tell Ahab it's going to start raining again. Because the very entrance of Elijah into all of the scripture, in in chapter 18 of 1 Kings, is he goes to Ahab and says, because you've been so wicked and because you brought in Jezebel and she is teaching the people how to worship God, uh, how to worship false gods, I am going to cause a famine in the land for three years. And Elijah prays and it stops raining. And famine in an agrarian society is a big deal. It means everything stops. Everything stops. It would be like if I went to Donald Trump and said, a recession is about to hit America, and it will not let up until I say so. See you later. And I'm moving to Mexico. All right? And, and that's what Elijah did. He went to Mexico. I mean, it wasn't Mexico. It was a Kijong Valley. And you know, he got fed by ravens. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. It would be exactly like telling Donald Trump, I'm going to go to Mexico. All right. So so that's what happens. Then God finally says to Elijah, time is up. Go tell Ahab. This is all God said. Go tell Ahab it's going to rain. And then we watch. Elijah goes to Ahab. He says, I need to talk to you. It's going to rain. And Ahab, right before he gets there, Ahab insults him. He says, oh, here comes the guy that made trouble for Israel. All right? He's blaming the lack of rain on Elijah because he prayed for it. But the lack of rain was a consequence to Ahab's sin. That'd be like I come to you and say, look, because you're sinning, your your family's going to die. So repent, so your family don't have to die. Then your family dies, and you blame it on me. All right? Well, this this is Elijah. That's the only way to say it is he just gets mad, and he's like, Oh, yeah? Well, you're the problem. You're the one that's the trouble. I tell you what, you bring out your prophets. You bring them out. You You meet me at the mountain. And I'll call down fire from heaven. They'll call down fire from heaven, and we'll see who God is, right? We'll see whose side God is on, mine or yours, right? Did God tell Elijah to say all that? <laughs> no. No. no, no, he didn't tell him to say all yes, that. Sir. All right. <laughs> I've been there. All right. I've been there. Sometimes you just <laughs> I just want to show this person what's up. Is that you? But. God did not tell Elijah mm-hmm. to do all that. Yeah, no, no. Did God back him? He kind of had to. Elijah had got to that that type with God. But if you look at his prayer, he says, "God, please show them
1: that you are with
0: me." Because I think Elijah got up there and was like, "You know what? I'm a little outside of the lines here." It's like when your boss said to go do something, and you kind of did it, but you did a little bit extra, right? Or if uh, I made a decision and didn't talk to the elders about it first. Well, you kind of know you're a little bit in a gray area here. You know, I hope they back me up if this goes wrong and don't say, hey, we never told you you could do that. You're on your own, right? All right? And so he kills all the prophets of Baal. I mean, fire comes down heaven. That's pretty awesome. He kills all the prophets of Baal. He tells Ahaz, Ahab, go home and eat. The rain's coming. That's all he was supposed to do. First he kills all the prophets of Baal. He gets rid of his enemies. Calls down fire from heaven. Tells the Israelites to repent. And Ahab goes home and tells his wife. And she says, tell Elijah I won't kill him tomorrow. I mean, talk about discouraging. I'm sorry. If I went out in front of the neighborhood, Called down, fire from heaven. Hmm. You know, grabbed all the mollies, all the, all <laughs> the pills, all the crack pipes. Oh. Set them in a pile, all the 40 ounces. Called down, fire from heaven. <laughs> poof. Blew it up. And then walked out my door the next day and saw someone from the church selling drugs in front of my house. I would be discouraged. <laughs> I want to die. And that's exactly what happens to Elijah. And he has to run now. (laughs) Right? He has to run because Jezebel is still in power. After this giant miracle, he still hasn't gotten the results that he wanted. So he goes to a desert. So you have to run. You run to a desert that's 115 degrees. You know where it says, Elijah says, I just want to die And we're like, why is he so depressed? He just did that. He's in a desert. It's 115 degrees. If you were out in the desert right now while I'm preaching, you would probably be saying, I just want to die. All right? All right? That happened a few times this summer while we were out at Anthony's garden. There were a few times you were probably like, When is this going to be over? I just want to die. All right? He's out in the desert under a broom tree. He just wants to die. God wakes him up with an angel. Feeds him and prepares him. I mean, there is a preparation to hear the still small voice. The preparation is you throw everything you can at the enemy and you don't get the results you want. Then you hear from God the next step and you go on a fast for 40 days. If you actually read what happens, he's fasting for 40 days. He gets one meal. We don't even know if he drinks water for 40 days, which is impossible, all right? But physically, unless God does something, you're going to die after two weeks and don't drink water. And, and he gets up on this mountain. And what does God do? He confronts him. Now what does he show him? Elijah? Come out here. I want to show you something. Wind. Fire. Earthquake. All those are in my back pocket. Elijah, I can be violent. Any. the people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Our programs, Getting them a job. Getting them housing. Changing the physical. Nehemiah built a wall. Then in Nehemiah they go for a walk and people are selling stuff around the wall on the Sabbath. Right? Be like we... We built you houses. You're selling drugs. At the house we built you, no we got your job. You're working a job and selling the drugs. At the house we built you, no respect. The real change that happened, happen. Where does the real change happen? The, real- yeah. the whisper. Hmm. The whisper. What God wants us to lead people to is the whisper. That's how I know you've grown up. He's got, I got still before God. I took a day off so I could hear from God. And in the middle, he gave me three things to do. And it's interesting, the whisper was <laughs> the whisper actually dealt with Elijah's core disappointment. Elijah's core disappointment and core lie of his life was I'm all by myself. I'm all by myself. Right. And nobody's with me. I'm all by myself and nobody's with me and I just want to die. All right i make fun of that, but that's me every two weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You know? Nobody's with me. Nobody gets it. Like, I get hears at all the time. Nobody's getting it, you know? I, I feel for Elijah. I'm, like, right there with him, all right? But God, his command deals exactly with the lie in his heart. This is, what, this is how we're going to solve this problem, Elijah. All those people that you don't think are with you, yep. they're going to be with you. It's actually not you that has to get this done. Oh, wow. Wow, check that out. How many times do we have something in our life? We're like, How am I going to figure this out? I can't figure this out. And God just said, it's on your job. That's somebody else's job. You just go give that job to somebody else. Then it's on them. It's not on you. It's on them. Oh, wow. I can go back to relaxing again. Right? And he says, you're going to anoint three people, and they're going to take care of this problem. Now, here's the thing. It took 10 years before that problem was taken care of. Jezebel stayed in power for 10 more years after this. But check it out. This is how good God is. So Elijah anoints Elisha to replace him. And then Elijah gets up out of here and goes to yeah, heaven. He yeah. never sees yeah. Jezebel defeated yeah. in his lifetime. Elisha, now I don't know what's up with this, if Elijah was disobedient or if this is the way God meant it. But it's actually not Elijah that anoints Jehu. Is Elisha sends some prophets to do it. So what was the lie? I'm all by myself. Where does the salvation happen? Mm-hmm. All kinds of different people giving the power away. Mm-hmm. We had to be careful. When you think it's only you, it almost never is. Mm-hmm. Right? Nope. And he says, there's 7,000 people you don't, right. you don't even know you about, even know about right. mm-hmm. that have never bowed just like you have been. Yeah. There could, be, there could be a church of a 1,000 people in this neighborhood that one day they just will show up and be like, we've been working with folk up here the whole time. The kid that was murdered was brought up here by his <laughs> uncle, who is a pastor in Evanston, who I never met. I've been here 26 years. I never met this guy. I'm not all by myself, as much as I thought I was sometimes. Check this out. When Jehu gets anointed, mm. Eli- the prophet, so first of all, Elisha doesn't even do it. He sends his people to go do it. So that's crazy. Like I, so once Elijah is gone, there's a whole school of prophets yeah. that Elisha is over, so much so that he doesn't even need to be the guy that goes and anoints the king. Mm-hmm. Mm. So God just grows it. Mm-hmm. Right? Whatever little thing you're struggling with, one day God will just grow it. Right? He'll bring the workers. He'll bring the laborers. And he will make it happen. Right? And so Elisha tells these guys, go anoint Jehu. And this is so funny. This is what happens. Jehu gets on a chariot. And he starts riding. And he comes against the king of Hiram And he shoots him dead. It's so funny because they're like, They're like, uh, uh, I see someone coming in the distance. Well, send someone to find out who that is. They come out. They said, are you coming in peace or not in peace? And he says, what do you have to do with peace? Get behind me and join me. So what is the lie? Nobody's with me. What is the anointing? Jehu says, get behind me. And the guy that the enemy sent gets behind him and starts riding with him. The guy's looking. What's happening? Uh, Well, the guy we sent, he's now behind him. Send somebody else, okay? We send somebody else. Hey, you coming in peace? I'm not coming in peace. If you're with me, get with me. Alright, I'm with you. Uh, he gets behind him. What's happening now? Well, that other guy we sent, he's, he's coming with him. Oh, this is weird. Let's get in a chariot. Let's go out there. He comes out there. Are you with? Oh my gosh, that's Jehu. It's a trap. He turns around. He tries to run away. Jehu shoots him dead. Right. Um, yeah. And then he shows up with Jezebel's uh-huh. front door. Uh-huh. And she comes out. Right. She's, the, she's the... She's, not that Beyonce is necessarily Jezebel, but she's like... She's the Beyonce of Israel, right? Like, she is right. a good-looking woman, right? She must be because it says she puts on her makeup. All right. And that's where her her seduction is where her power came from. Right. And she walks up, and she looks at Jehu like, what you want? I'm not scared of you. I took out Elijah. He's not even around anymore. I've I've." They called down fire from heaven. I'm still here. What does Jehu say? Remember the lie. The lies. No one's with you. All right. Nobody will stand with you against the evil. Jehu says, "Are you with me? Throw her down." Mm-hmm. And her eunuchs, who have been living with her the whole time, are like, "We'd love to." <laughs> <laughs> What was impossible with Elijah was easy for Jehu. Ah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And all that needed to happen was to listen to the whisper. Yes, yes. All that needed to happen was to listen yes, right. to the whisper. Church, don't always need a plan. We need God's plan. <laughs> we don't need to always figure it out. We need to hear from the Lord. And that is why we've got to be in prayer. If we can create a space I'm, I'm more and more becoming convinced. The game will be won when we can create a space where people can hear the whisper from God. If we can create a space where people can hear the whisper of God, he'll tell them what to do about their problems. You won't need to figure it out. If you can create a space in your own life to hear the whisper from God, You'll know what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. Isn't that the job of the church? Where else are people going to have that space? I believe it. That is the key strategy for us to win. And it might take 10 years. It might take 10 years. We don't. That's up to God. We'll be on his plan. Not on ours. But if it's God's plan, we will.